Turn in your Bible, please, to Hebrews chapter 13. We've been in a study of the book of Hebrews for quite some time. In fact, this is number 18. This uh, message this morning is message number 18 in our study of the book of Hebrews, and we're almost to the end. It just so happened that we will finish our study of Hebrews next week, and that's going to be my last Sunday as your interim pastor. It's been a great year. I've really enjoyed it. I'll have more to say about that next week, but you guys have been a tremendous group of people, and I've really grown fond of Grace Church, so we will miss you. But anyway, today we want to look at Hebrews 13, and the passage that I want to talk with you about is verses 7 through 17. I I believe this is so timely that we come here to Hebrews 13 at just the same time that Grace Church is seeking a new pastor. There are things in this chapter that are exactly um, aligned with the need of this church right now. So praise the Lord for the way that these things came together. Hebrews 13, let me begin reading in verse 7. Hear God's inerrant word. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here... We have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we come now to this time of reading and studying your word, the Bible. And we realize that we need something in addition to a human teacher, to be able to understand this passage and apply it in our lives. We need a work of the Holy Spirit. And so we pray now, Spirit of God, that you will come and anoint the reading and the teaching of this passage and open our eyes and ears to the truths that are here. And then we pray that as we leave here today, Spirit of God, you will fill us and equip us and prepare us to live as disciples of Jesus Christ in a world that is sorely lacking in good leadership. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So you're looking for a pastor. You need a job description, right? I ran across a job description for the perfect pastor the other day. So maybe you can use this one. The perfect pastor preaches, raises up new leaders, manages the budget, follows up on visitors, shepherds the flock, counsels the herding, helps the poor, evangelizes the lost, disciples the children, teaches Sunday school, leads a small group, studies the word, prays and fasts, connects with other pastors, serves on a presbytery committee, loves his neighbors, leads his family, catechizes his children, promotes world missions, posts on social media, writes newsletter articles, and basically just grows the church. Job description for the perfect pastor, right? That's not all. It goes on to say, his sermons are 10 minutes long, (laughs) He works from 8 a.m. until midnight. He is 29 years old and has 40 years experience. (laughs) So that's the guy you're looking for, right? (laughs) I think you're looking for Jesus, in other words. Uh, You know better. You know better, of course. There is no perfect pastor. Just as there is no perfect pastor person in the world. So you're seeking a good but imperfect pastor. That's the truth. You're seeking a good pastor, but he is going to be imperfect. And as you seek this person, here are some truths in this passage of Hebrews 13 that will help you. So let's dive in. I want to share three things with you this morning. Number one, we need leaders Number two, leaders need cooperative uh, followers. And number three, Jesus is the model for both. We need leaders. Leaders need cooperative followers. And Jesus is the model for both. So let's dive in. The first thing I want us to talk about is that we all need leaders. You and I, we all need leaders. Look at verse 17. Verse 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Look at that phrase, keep watch. That little phrase, keep watch, means to stay awake, to stay alert, even to lose sleep if necessary as you care for those under your charge. Now, this passage relates to Dan and to Derek as elders of Grace Church and to anyone who is in the future elected to be an elder of this church. Verse 17 relates to them as well as to any pastor out there. These are church leaders, and they are to uh, keep watch over the souls of their people. Your next pastor, in other words, needs to be someone who cares deeply about your spiritual welfare. You might think of what Paul says in Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. He says, My little children, for whom I am in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Do you hear what Paul is saying? He's an apostle. He was an apostle. And he had all these people uh, for whom he was responsible. And he said that my heart is is like in the anguish of childbirth 
until Christ is formed in people. That speaks to the degree to which leaders of God's people need to care for their spiritual welfare. We need leaders like that who watch over our souls and labor. You women who've had kids, you were in labor, right? In that delivery room. So must church leaders labor over the spiritual formation of their people. Some Christians say, well, I don't need anybody like that. I don't need anyone to watch over me. Jesus watches over me. He is all the leader I need. Well, I get that, I suppose, because later in this chapter, the author is going to call Jesus the great shepherd of the sheep. So yes, we would all agree that Jesus is our great shepherd, but we also need under-shepherds. People who care for our souls. Why? Why do we need leaders? Well, we need leaders for at least three reasons. Number one reason is that we're like sheep, right? I mean, if leaders of God's people are called shepherds, then that implies that we are like sheep. And what are sheep like? Anybody in here ever care for sheep? They go astray. They do because they are dumb They are dumb animals, they are weak animals, and they are vulnerable to trouble. Uh, You remember when Jesus saw the crowds? This is in Matthew chapter 9. Jesus looked out at one point in his ministry and he saw all these crowds of people and he said, it says that he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And that's a bad situation. Sheep without a shepherd are going to be getting into trouble. Without a leader, without a shepherd, we would wander aimlessly like sheep. We would drift away without someone pointing us in the right direction. And that's the whole problem of the book of Hebrews, drifting away from Jesus. That's why the author says we need leaders who will keep us on track. That's number one. Number two, we're easily deceived. That's why we need leaders. Not only are we like sheep, but we are also easily deceived. Look at verse 9 of the text. Right after verse 7 says to remember your leaders, verse 9 says, do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings. See, there's a connection between leaders and being protected from false teaching. Don't forget what's going on in this letter. Every week I've tried to remind us of the context of Hebrews. These Hebrew Christians were being tempted to abandon the gospel of Jesus. They were being taught by false teachers, by deceivers, that they needed to return to the religion of their ancestors, that is, Judaism. They needed shepherds, you see, who would remind them, no, stay true to the gospel. Don't drift away from Christ. Stay true to the truth of the gospel. Leaders, you see, protect us from getting sidetracked, from being taken advantage of. Leaders confront us when we're going astray. They pull us back like a shepherd does a sheep. They teach and they correct and they encourage and they warn us. That's number two. Not only do we need leaders because we're like sheep and we're easily deceived, but thirdly, we need leaders because we need role models in life. We need role models, people who can not only tell us what to do, but show us how to do it. You know the difference, right? 
You've had people, all of us have had people who tell us what to do. But I suspect that everybody in this room can point to someone who has not only said what to do, but shown you what, uh, how to do it. And there's a big difference there. Look at verse 7 once again. It says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and what? Imitate their way of life or follow their faith. You may have heard the story about the little boy who was crying one night in bed because of a thunderstorm going on. His mom came into the room and began to comfort the little boy. She reminded him that Jesus was always there. Jesus would never let him go and he didn't need to be afraid. Well, the boy looked up to his mom and he said, Yeah, I know he is here, but I'd like to feel Jesus with skin on. I'd like to feel Jesus with skin on. And you and I want to feel Jesus with skin on too. And that's what our leaders provide. Leaders are our Jesus with skin on, in other words. And God, in His grace, raises up people like like we're talking about. He raises up parents and teachers and coaches and mentors and managers and supervisors and pastors and elders and deacons and worship leaders and a whole host of other people who are Jesus with skin on. We need that. My first pastor job was in St. Louis, Missouri. I served a large PCA church up there as the associate pastor for a few years. And the senior pastor of the church was a man named Rodney Stortz. Now, Rodney was an imperfect pastor. (laughs) There were things about Rodney that kind of rubbed everybody the wrong way, but he was a very good mentor. He really was. He spent time with me. He let me do a lot of things around the church. He imparted a lot of uh, pastoral wisdom to me during the three years that I was there. And when I left that church, I took a call to a, a church in South Carolina where my wife and family and I stayed for seven years. And the whole time I was in that church in South Carolina, I found myself saying, what would Rodney do? What would Rodney do? See, Rodney Stortz was my Jesus with skin on. He was a role model. He helped me to not only know what to do, but know how to do it. So friends, we're, we're sheep, we're easily deceived, and we need role models. For all those reasons, we all need leaders in our lives. And praise God for the leaders you have. Uh, the leaders in this church who lead, who sacrifice time, who show up week in and week out to be the role model, to guard you from wandering away and getting off into strange and diverse teachings. Praise God for people like that. Uh, we all need them very much. So, we've talked about what you and I need. Now let's answer this question. What do leaders need? That brings us to our second big deal today. Leaders need cooperative followers. Leaders need cooperative followers. You might have heard what Bill Clinton said one time about running the country. Back when he was president, he said, Running the country is a lot like running a cemetery. You've got a lot of people under you and nobody is listening. 
<laughs> I can relate to that as a pastor. You got a lot of people under you and no one is listening. You probably have heard this familiar phrase, it's lonely at the top. And it really, really is. It's just as true in ministry as it is in the business world. For those of you who've been bosses and employers and supervisors, it's just as true in politics and in every other area of life. It's lonely at the top. It's not easy being a pastor or an elder, a deacon, or any other kind of church leader. So I want you to remember that always as you call a new pastor and as he does his job, as he does his work as a leader here at Grace Church, remember, please, it's not an easy job. You know, as a pastor, I always hear people joking about that thing you've heard, too. Hey, you work one day a week, you know. Uh, and it's always said in jest. But there's always kind of a, a hint of, uh, of cynicism behind that, as though people don't really understand that the work of a pastor, especially if he has a wife and kids to deal with as well, is a very hard job. So it's important for you to be a good follower. That's what I want to talk about right now. How do you do that? How do you follow your new pastor well? Well, this text offers two answers to that. Remember your leader and obey your leader. Let's dive in. First of all, remember your leader and your leaders. Look at verse 7 once again. Uh, it says, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Now, that word remember doesn't just mean remember like you and I use the word all the time. It doesn't just mean don't forget. You know, you're, you're likely to not forget that you have a new pastor. So it means more than just don't forget him. Um, that word remember is used several other places in the New Testament, as a matter of fact. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew, or rather Luke 17, remember Lot's wife. You remember that verse? Kind of well known. Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. Now, Jesus meant more than just simply don't forget the story about Lot's wife. He meant to think seriously about Lot's wife. Consider, contemplate, meditate. Apply the lesson of Lot's wife to your own life, right? That's all bound up in that word remember. Also in 2 Timothy 2.8, Paul says, Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. Remember, it's the Greek word, new, name, sorry, nemonuo. Charlie, you could probably say it a lot easier than I could. Um, it means to contemplate, to apply, to really think about and to appreciate Jesus Christ raised from the dead, descended from David. Verse 7 goes on to say, not only remember your leaders, but consider the outcome of their way of life. Now, most commentators believe that this verse is especially pointed at leaders of the past. That is, people who have led the Christians in former days, maybe even died and been martyred for their faith. These, in other words, were the founding fathers of the church, the church planters who are now dead and gone. And so the author of Hebrews is saying, remember them. Remember those who taught you back in the former days, 
the Word of God and think about what they taught you. Think about their way of life and that type of thing. It could be that, but whether the author is referring to leaders of the past or leaders in the present day, it's still the same lesson. The author is telling his readers to carefully observe their lives, to study the lives of their leaders like an artist would study a model. Follow, uh, find out what they stand for. Follow the, the, the heart of their teaching and see what makes them tick. Learn all you can from your leaders. The other day, uh, a student at Reform Seminary where I work called me up and he said, Mike, do you have some time? I would love to meet with you. And so I arranged a meeting with this guy named Joe and he sat across the table and I said, what's going on? And he started asking me questions, questions about my past, questions about what I've learned from various churches that I've served. He even asked me what I've learned from Grace Church. And I thought that was a, a fantastic uh, question to be asked, like, what are you learning now at 67 years of age as an interim pastor? This guy, Joe, was practicing Hebrews 13.7. He was remembering his leaders. He was asking me, finding out what makes me tick, learning from my experience things that could benefit him. That's what it means for you as you think about a new pastor. Sometimes sit down in his study and just ask him questions. Find out about his past. Find out what makes him and his family tick. Uh, see what's unique about him. See what is most on his heart for Grace Church. In all of that, those ways, you'll be practicing remembering your leaders. So that's number one. The other way that you can be a cooperative follower is to obey your leaders. Obey your leaders. And this is what it really means to follow the leader. Let me again read verse 17 because this is such an important verse. It says, To obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Now, what does this not mean? It's important always in reading God's Word to, to understand what does it not mean. It does not mean that God calls you to unquestioning, uncritical, absolute obedience to your leaders. And I wrote about this in the newsletter this weekend. So if you haven't read that, I want you to go home and read that because it's a fairly lengthy caveat to this passage here. Uh, you know, God's Word in every passage can't answer every question. Uh, this passage of Scripture is calling you to follow your leader, but that doesn't mean you follow him absolutely. You don't follow him off a cliff, right? The only being to whom you owe absolute obedience is Jesus Christ. Always, always remember that. When a leader, for example, and this happens, when a leader is living in sin and is unrepentant, he doesn't need to be obeyed. He needs to be confronted and disciplined. And some of you have perhaps been under the ministry of someone who was a, an abusive pastor or an abusive teacher. And those people need to be disciplined, not followed. So that's one thing it doesn't mean. Nor does it mean your leaders are always right. 
I hope you all would recognize that. Nor does it mean that you have to agree with everything that they do and say. It's okay to disagree. I know that Derek and Dan, for example, would agree with this statement. It's okay to disagree, to have a different opinion from your elected leaders. Because if a leader is any good, he will listen to you. If a leader is, is any good, he will sit down and listen to your opinion and consider it seriously. But what does it mean that you must obey your leaders and submit to them? Here's what it means. It means that you must try your best to let your leader lead. Try your best to let your leader lead. Support him. Follow him. Be cooperative even when you do disagree. And you will, right? There are things about Grace Church's practice and even doctrine that some of you will probably disagree with. Even when you do. To submit to it means to be as supportive and cooperative as possible. For example, let's, let's say that your new pastor and your elders go along with him, recommends something, and let's say that you're not on board. Well, I would advise you to make sure you state your opinion, make your case, send an email, sit down and make an appointment, and talk about what you think about whatever the matter happens to be. But... Even after you have said your piece and fought for your position, if the decision goes the other way and you're a member of Grace Church, verse 17 means that you will not grouse about it. You will not complain about it. You give way, right? You give way. You say, to the best of my ability, I will support this decision. I will not grumble about it. I won't complain. And above all, I will not go around spreading a bad report about my leaders. This verse is calling you, in other words, to respect the leaders God has placed over you, to yield to them. Think of that yellow yield sign. So often in church life, we must yield to one another. Leaders must often yield to their members. That's why it's good to state your opinion, because you might actually change their minds, right? I, as a pastor, have always appreciated it when a church member comes to me and gives me the respect of explaining their side. The worst thing to do is to not explain to your leaders how you feel about an issue, but you instead go and make his life difficult in some other way. Please, the open door policy is really good. Go to your leaders and share your opinion. And then after the decision is made, defer to them. Speak well of them and protect their good name. You might know the name Richard Baxter. Richard Baxter was a 17th century English Puritan, perhaps best known for a book that he wrote called The Reformed Pastor. Well, he intended to actually write a follow-up book to that, in which he would talk about people's duty to their pastor. Um, Baxter once said this, listen to this, he said, Ungrateful contempt for a faithful ministry is the shame of thousands in this land. Let me say that again. Ungrateful contempt for a faithful ministry is the shame of thousands in this land. 
And the same thing could be said of Christians here in America. So often Christians find fault with their church and with their church's leaders. And instead of going directly to the source and trying to work through things and then deciding that, oh, well, I'm going to support him even if I do disagree, they'll jump ship and go to another church where they might be uh, more, uh, that's more to their liking. Ungrateful contempt for a faithful ministry is the shame of thousands. What Baxter is saying and what the author of Hebrews is saying is that it is a sin against God when you grouse and grumble against your leaders. You have only to read the Old Testament to see the history of Israel and the way that they complained and grumbled and groaned about Moses and Joshua and the judges and the prophets and the priests. So don't follow their example. I love the way the NIV version renders verse 17. It says, Obey your leaders so that their work will be a joy and not a burden. A joy and not a burden. So ask yourself from time to time, um, ask yourself this question, Am I a source of emotional refreshment or emotional fatigue for my leaders? That's a great question. Am I a source of emotional refreshment or fatigue for the people that God has placed over me? And that applies not only here at church, but at home, in the business world, at work, with your school teachers, your principal, etc., your employer. Am I a source of refreshment or fatigue for that person? Verse 17 says that one day your leaders, your spiritual leaders, are going to have to give an account of their leadership. James 3 verse 1 says that those who teach will be judged more strictly. I'll tell you, that verse keeps me awake at night sometimes, thinking about all the times that I have not been faithful to my calling. Those who teach will be judged more strictly. So what can you do to help make Judgment Day go a little better for your spiritual leaders? <laughs> Pray for them. That's great. What can you do to relieve, if only a little bit, some of the emotional pressure that they carry around with them 24-7? Two things to take away from this study. Remember your leaders. That is, focus on their positive traits. Learn all you can from them, even though they have negative traits. And obey your leaders. That is, help their work be a joy and not a burden. So, so far, we've seen that we all need leaders, and leaders need cooperative followers. Here's the final thing I wanted to say this morning. No matter how hard leaders try to lead and followers try to follow, everybody's going to mess up. Everybody's going to blow it. Everybody's going to make mistakes. Everybody's going to say the wrong thing and do the wrong thing. Everybody is going to mess up. That's why I'm thankful for verse 8 of this text. Verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. See, friends, Jesus is the perfect leader and the perfect follower. He is both. He's the perfect leader. He is stable. He's consistent. He never flies off the handle. And he's always keeping watch over the people under his care. 
You might even say that Jesus is in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in every one of us. He's praying for us. He is interceding for us. He is representing us as our prophet, priest, and king. He is our rock in a world that's constantly changing. He loved us in the past by dying on the cross. He loves us in the present by interceding for us at the right hand of God. He will love us in the future by coming again for us and taking us home. He is the one person in all the world whose love will never let us go. He demonstrated that love for us on the cross 2,000 years ago and he has not yet changed his mind. He's the perfect leader, but he's also the perfect follower. And you might think, well, how is Jesus a follower? Well, look at verse 12. Verse 12 says that Jesus suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. He suffered outside the gate. What's that talking about? It's talking about the fact that the father told the son to lay down his life for his people and the son obeyed. The son obeyed his leader. He submitted to the authority of his father on the cross. He deferred to the will of his father. He didn't grouse, grumble, complain, or find fault. But instead he said yes to the will of God. So in the world that we have of imperfect leaders, you need someone who is not going to let you down. That someone is Jesus Christ. May Grace Church always be a place where both leaders and followers are honored and loved and cherished for the sake of Christ, our perfect leader and perfect follower. Let's pray. Father, earlier today we prayed for Grace Church in its search for a new pastor, and now we pray again for that same thing and pray that not only will you lead this church to the right man who will be the shepherd of this church, but I pray for the, for the sheep of this church. I pray that they will take this passage to heart, that they will remember their leaders, and that they will follow and submit to and obey the leaders that you bring their way in the sense of being free obedience, free and glad obedience, filled with the grace and truth of the gospel. We pray now that as we think about Jesus being our perfect leader and our perfect follower, we thank you for this table that's spread before us. On this table being bread and wine or grape juice representing the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus. Spirit of God, we pray that as we approach this table, you will let us today remember our capital L leader, that we will contemplate him, meditate on him, and apply his love and grace to our own hearts. We draw near you Thank you that you've drawn near us in the person of Jesus. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.